Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when I arrived at the church that I was working at in Iowa, One of my first things that I did was I I went online and I tried to find as many books as I could on congregational vitality and growth. Fairly standard thing to do. And it turns out that there are a lot of books on this subject. Since 1965, every mainline church has seen their numbers go down. The mainline church that's uh, shrunk the most in that time is the Disciples of Christ. Uh, They've lost some 70 plus percent of their members. Uh, The United Church of Christ is not all that far behind. Uh, Our numbers have gone from roughly 2 million uh, in 1965 to about 800,000 now. Uh, But you see similar patterns in the Presbyterian Church, in the ELCA, what's now the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And in even the Southern Baptist Convention in the last 10 years, great amount of hand-rigging in the SBC over shrinking church numbers. And as a result of these shrinking church numbers, there has been this whole cottage industry on how to stem the tide. And again, endless books being created. I brought these books home with me this last week and stacked them up around my blue reclining chair, and I counted that I had 25 of these books with me. I didn't quite get through all 25 this past week, but I did glance through them again. I hadn't seen some of them in a few years, and I wanted to see what they suggested to make our congregation uh, a more vital place. One of the suggestions you see coming up again and again is to, if you want your church to grow and be vital, what you got to do is you got to put a band up front. That's one of the suggestions I ran across. And, you know, sure, this, is, this undoubtedly comes from the fact that many contemporary worship churches in the last 30 years uh, are some of those churches that have been growing. And some of the churches that are more traditional in their music style have been shrinking. So, therefore, the obvious solution is to put a band up front because that will solve everything. Uh, this does create certain uh, amusing situations. If you've ever been in a church that doesn't really have contemporary worship in its DNA and then tries to do it, it usually doesn't work out very well. And uh, in fact, the UCC, uh, as a denomination, we are a little late to the game, but 10 years ago came out with a praise and worship hymnal called Sing, Prayer, and Praise. And we actually, uh, the congregation I worked at in Ames had purchased this hymnal before I arrived as one of our hymnal options. And I have to say, there may be like three or four hymns in the entire book that I think are any good. Most of them are not very good. And certainly the, the presence and appearance of those books did not all of a sudden mean that the congregation was bursting at its seams. Another common thing that you read when you flip through is, uh, if you want to have a truly vital church and grow, you've got to put screens up in your worship. But that's, that's one of the things you've got to do, put screens up in your worship. And there's, there's a lot to be said for this. If you have screens up in your worship space, you're not having your head down when you're reading the hymnal. You, know, you, can, you can engage others and read the words up on a 
up on a screen instead of in your hymnal. That makes you more engaged. Or if you're a preacher, you could have visual aids to go with the sermon. After all, we're a very visual culture. Wouldn't it help if I had visual aids to, to click through? Uh, and while these suggestions are helpful, oftentimes churches that are uh, more traditional feel a certain amount of ambivalence about screens. And so you see this interesting situation where uh, either they tuck screens away so you don't really notice them, or once they have them, they don't really know what to do with them. So they don't actually use them very well or often at all. Uh, I, was, I was struck by this when I went down to Chapelwood to worship in Chapelwood's sanctuary. Because you see just this phenomenon in Chapelwood's sanctuary. Clearly at some point they had a discussion about screens, but some people didn't like them. So they tucked them way up top in the rafters. You can't even see them. So I don't really know how much good that will do. But, but screens. Another person said that... Uh, what you really need is you need your pastor to be very hip and to, to dress in jeans and things like mock turtlenecks and that, that, that type of stuff. Uh, now, I, 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 I'm sort of like old school, New England, kind of preppy Yankee. I don't know if the... But I can try. And that might be the solution to turn everything and just let loose the Holy Spirit. I also read something saying, well, if you, you should change your communion to cornbread and Kool-Aid or perhaps tortillas and lemonade. Um, I don't know how that would draw on new people, but perhaps it would. Um, another thing was to dress in brightly colored clothes uh, for the clergy person and the, and the choir. And I, I'm, I'm somewhat embarrassed this morning. I went through my tie collection looking for the most brightly colored tie I could find, and this is what I came up with. <laughs> So clearly I need to redo my wardrobe on the tie selection too. And then probably my favorite suggestion that I ran across was if you really want to bring more people in and make your service a vital service, what you need to do is lengthen it. <laughs> I, was, I get used to that. Lengthen out the service. But when you get through some of these suggestions that I think are probably misplaced or in good spirit but perhaps not directed at this congregation... You, one thing you come across again and again in these various books is this, important of have, this importance of having a clear vision. That's true for corporations, it's true for nonprofits, and it's certainly true for churches. That if a church wants to be a vital place, if the church wants to be a place that's, that has a direction, that has a real life and spirit to it, that one key element of that is to have a clear vision about what the congregation is all about. And so what do you think is the vision or should be the vision for First Congregational Church? We won't do Q&A here. Maybe we'll do that later. But it's something worth thinking about. Hopefully you've thought about it in the past. One common suggestion for liberal and progressive churches like this one is for the vision to be uh, based around social justice. That as a congregation, we should work for social justice. That should be at the core of who we are. It's a very common thing and quite popular. But I do want to push back a bit on that for those who would make that the vision. If social justice is the vision for the church, why spend time and energy on, say, a choir? 
why have a campus like this one uh, when we can sell all the buildings, give the money to a foundation, and then make grants to various nonprofits with that money? That would make more sense if social justice was truly the central guiding vision of the congregation. Why waste time listening to long-winded preachers get up and speak on Sunday morning? Go out and do things. This vision also is something that's been tried and, and, and wrestled with by people in the UCC for a long time, uh, going back to the 1960s. So the 1960s, amidst the turmoil of the civil rights movement and the Vietnam War, uh, other things that came up, a lot of uh, church leaders, a lot of aspiring clergymen and clergywomen thought that, uh, that truly what God was calling them to do was to engage in social justice pursuits, that that really was the center of it, the vision of it. I remember Peter Gomes, my uh, mentor uh, and boss at Harvard, said that in his class of Harvard Divinity School in 1968, he was the only one who went into a congregation and made that his career. Think about that. The only person out of his entire class at Harvard Divinity School in 1968 who made working in a congregation uh, his goal. This is, from a, this is from a divinity school that for generations had produced... Uh, a large cohort of clergy every year. And actually, I would argue that it's not coincidental that this decline in, in clergy going into congregations uh, links up very well with decline in mainline numbers, especially for a more progressive church like the UCC. If some of your best leaders aren't going into congregations but doing other pursuits, unsurprisingly, your congregations begin to shrink. So instead of social justice being the primary vision of the church, I would propose something in some ways a lot more straightforward, but something that I think gets at the core of who we are. I would say that we are a liberal Christian church whose mission, whose vision is spiritual transformation. A liberal Christian church that is about spiritual transformation. We are a church that's rooted in the Christian tradition. We embody the liberal theological trend within that tradition. And we focus on trying to transform lives. Some people might react against this negatively, say, well, you know, spiritual transformation that reeks kind of, of uh, uh, being born again or some other such things. But I think when you do that, you, you miss the point. One of the, th one of the elements of being Christian, one of the most important parts of being Christian is the way that we view what it means to be human. Christians embrace this notion that we are fallen, uh, to use traditional Christian language, that certain part of us uh, is, certain part of us is not right. We have broken relationships. Certain parts of us inside are broken. Uh, that in spite of our best efforts, we often do things that we shouldn't do. That we are in need of healing. We are in need of wholeness. We are in need of, in the classic Christian sense, salvation. Now, because we're in the liberal Christian tradition, salvation is not necessarily about going to heaven or hell. I do not believe that anyone can be separated from the love of God for all eternity. Therefore, I don't believe in a hell. I'm a universalist. Salvation for me is something that's lived out in this world. It is the wholeness and the transformation that we seek in this world. And I believe that that has to be at the center of our vision here at First Congregational Church. When you come into worship on Sunday morning, 
I hope that it's a place that you can find healing and wholeness, spiritual transformation. If it's been a hard week, you can find some sense of grounding yourself in God's presence. You can feel a connection to other people in the pews. You can be uplifted by the choir singing some beautiful anthem, or maybe uplifted by singing your own anthem, or moved deeply by the prayers that are being prayed for, or perhaps some interpretation of the word as it's preached. I hope that when you go to Christian education classes here, you can, fight, you can, you can aspire to, ha- to understand the best of the liberal Christian tradition. We embrace the life of the mind. We embrace our intellectual, an intellectual approach. Science and religion work hand in hand. We take what we think is the best in contemporary theology and, and try to apply it to the Christian tradition. That's something that we should be proud of, and it helps leads us, lead us to deeper truths about our faith and about what it means to be human. Spiritual transformation here also means spiritual transformation for your children. That here at FCC, we aspire to teach your children a moral way of living. A way of living that's that's, that's rooted in compassion, love, and care for those around you, rather than materialism, selfishness, individuality, greed, bragging, the type of things we see so often lifted up in our society around us. That's why we want to help transform our children and root them in a moral vision that we believe in. Part of spiritual transformation is being cared for when you can't care for yourself. When you're going through certain trials, whether they be from physical illness or whether it be in some sort of existential trial, that you can have people there to pray for you, to sit with you, and to manifest God's love for you. That's part of spiritual, trend, spiritual transformation and salvation. And part of it also is following the footsteps of Jesus, and that means serving others. That when we serve others, we transform ourselves and those around us. We help manifest the kingdom of God. And because we're in the liberal Christian tradition, we affirm that that service is more than just serving others. It's also trying to work in public policy to transform our community. We do justice work because we realize that if you actually want to address poverty, you have to address public policy as well. It's not just serving people at a homeless shelter. You have to use public policy to address issues like poverty and housing, issues like racism, These are things that require loud public voices and engaged public citizens, engaged morally in a cause. And that's something that this congregation encourages you to do. To stand up when some people say that uh, you shouldn't go to a bathroom that that reflects your gender, but instead the uh, biological sex that you were assigned at birth. To stand up and say that's not right. You should be able to go to the bathroom that corresponds with your gender and who you are that we can support our law enforcement officers, support what they're trying to do, but still say you have a high calling to make sure that you're not reinforcing racial assumptions in our society, that we can stand up and say that racism exists, that we can learn about that history, and we can stand up proudly and say black lives matter because that's what Jesus would say too. This type of calling, this type of spiritual transformation for both ourselves and society is what we are all about. And I hope we can make that vision clarify it, and then codify it and make it a part of who we, how we operate as a congregation. In the 6th century BC, uh, the great Hebrew prophet Habakkuk, even though his book is rather small and tucked in with 11 others in the uh, end of the Hebrew Bible, the prophet Habakkuk was dealing at a time of great crisis. This is the time when there was a moral crisis in Israel 
and the Babylonians were at the gates of Jerusalem. But in the midst of that suffering, God told Habakkuk to write a vision, to make it plain, so that even during the Babylonian captivity that was to follow, that vision could be a guiding light and that would eventually lead the people of Israel back to God and in the future that they had ahead of them. At the close of this worship service, uh, we will have a light lunch afterwards, and then we'll gather back here in the meeting house for a congregational meeting to discuss our new constitution. As I'm sure you know by now, at the core of that new constitution is trying to incorporate a strategic vision into the life and functioning, day-to-day functioning of our congregation. That's one of the big aims of our new constitution. To invite this congregation in the next couple of months to consider what, not only what our vision should be, but also a strategic plan in order to execute that vision. And our new constitution will keep us accountable to that in the year ahead and the years ahead as we continue to reevaluate it and hone it and make it a part of who we are. So that when someone asks you on the street, what is your congregation about? You can say, this is what we're about. This is what we do. Come and join us. If you want spiritual transformation, if you want to find salvation, if you want to find a new way of seeing God, come join us on Sunday morning and be a part of our fellowship. Because that's what we're all about. And that's the vision that we proudly proclaim. So come here after worship. Get ready to, dis- to discuss things. Let us manifest what it means to be a congregationalist by arguing things out. I love it. <laughs> and in the midst of this, can we chart our future and remember to write that vision and make it plain? Amen. Amen.